And good morning. I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right. My name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. I just want to say welcome. We're in week two of this series called Changed. Uh, I love movies. Who else loves movies? Yeah. But not all movies. A certain kind of movies I love. I love movies like Braveheart, like Gladiator, Harry Potter, uh, Lord of the Rings, um, The Matrix. And I was thinking about why, why do I love those kind of movies? Yeah, there are a lot of energy and excitement in those kind of movies. But what is it about those movies that I love? I think there's something all in common with those movies. In all those movies, like the main protagonist, he sacrifices himself for the greater good. There's something about that, that message of sacrificing myself so that others can have freedom, so that others can have life, whatever it might be, that I think just resonates with me. And if you're like me, maybe that message resonates with you as well. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, we read this, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus tells us it's more blessed to give than to receive. Here's why. We've never seen a great movie where the main character exists to use all his own wealth and energy and resources and life just for himself. Like there's no emotionally great movies about someone who's just existing only for themselves because that's not a very compelling story. You know, when I think about my life, I don't really have any emotionally compelling stories about consuming things. You know, like I look back fondly and I remember the first time I bought my my first flat screen TV. You know, I researched that well, but I don't look back and be like, man, it's so emotional. The first time I had a flat screen TV and a Blu-ray player, it was so beautiful and amazing, right? Like usually when we think about consuming and getting, like those stories don't really emotionally move us. But if we can think about times when we, 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 we went out of our way to help someone by using our time to go over and, and help them out or we gave and really blessed someone, and man, their heart were moved, or we, we gave someone a present to show how we appreciated them. I think those are the kind of stories we look back and we get a little emotional, because Jesus tells us it's more blessed to give than to receive. See, I don't really have any emotional stories about consuming, but I'm guessing you're like me, and you have some emotionally compelling stories about times that you gave, times that you were generous to someone else. Stories are only really compelling when they're about sacrifice and giving. Well, why is that? Well, Jesus tells us. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus doesn't say it's not a blessing to receive. Like when someone goes out of your way to serve you, man, you are so blessed. And and that feels so good. But my guess is, as good as that feels, it's more blessed when you get the chance to serve someone, when you get the chance to give to someone, when you are able to sacrifice your time, your talents, your treasure for someone else, because Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. See, when you give, it impacts someone's life. When you give, it impacts someone's life. Here's how 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God, will produce thanksgiving to God. 
If you're taking notes this morning, we want to encourage you to take notes because we don't want to just give you a bunch of information. We want to help you have a life of transformation. We think if you can hear it, see it, write it down. And then this week as small groups kick off, if you can discuss it in your small group, but help get those truths down. When you give, it impacts someone's life. And number two, we see that generosity produces thanksgiving to God. That generosity produces thanksgiving to God. Imagine people thanking God because of you. Why? Because you were a generous, because you were a blessing in their lives. Here's what we believe. We believe that giving is good. If we know that it's more blessed to give than to receive, why don't we do it more often? Why aren't we more outward focused if we know it's, it's better to give than to receive? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, before we dive into today's text, we're in the book of Acts and working our way through that book in chapter 4. Would you, I'm just going to invite you to, to pray with me and uh, let's pray. God, I thank you that you are here this morning. God, I pray just and say thanks that at your name, the works of, of the evil one and darkness and hell tremble because our enemy knows that through you, we find health and healing and hope and forgiveness. So God, I pray that this morning people would find hope and healing here in this place. God, that the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, oh God, that these would be your words, not my words. Thank you, God, for bringing us together. Amen. Well, I'm excited for what I believe God is going to do in your heart today. And I think it's going to be challenging. I think it's going to be encouraging for each one of us. I believe you're not here by accident, but I believe that God has a message for you today. And uh, I've been praying for you all this week that, that your hearts be encouraged that we learn to be more like Jesus as we embrace the idea that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, this morning we're going to read a, a summary that Dr. Luke, our author, as we're going through the book of Acts, gives about their early church. And really, it's pretty incredible. As a church that's still pretty new, we're not quite three years old yet, we're, we're still a toddler, uh, we're looking at Acts to be kind of our roadmap on what kind of church God is calling us to be and how to get there. We've been studying the book of Acts the last couple weeks. And today we're going to see that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be generous. If you have your Bible and your Bible app, you can follow along with us. Otherwise, the words will appear on the side screens. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 through 37. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means sons of of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold the field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. First, as, as we look at the story of the early church that Dr. Luke, our author, is sharing with us, we see that generosity is evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. That generosity is evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
One of the evidences that someone has met Jesus, that Jesus has changed their life, that changed their priorities, changed how they see the world, is that they move from being greedy to generous. Now, I intentionally use that word greed because I think we all really buckle at that word. We're like, whoa, 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 greedy. What? How is that about Eric? See, Andy Stanley says this. He's a pastor in Georgia. He says, greed is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. And I love what Tim Keller, a pastor in New York City, says. <coughs> Excuse me. He says, Jesus warns people far more often about greed than about sex, yet almost no one thinks they are guilty of it. Greed is one of those things that, as Americans, it's probably one of the number one issues we face. Here in the suburbs, it's greed and busyness. And yet, none of us, I think, thinks that we're guilty of it. Here's what greed really means. Greed simply means that it's the belief that everything that I hold in my hands, everything that's been given to me, everything that I've worked hard and deserve is for me and me alone. That I've worked hard, so I deserve this. Greed is saying that everything that has come into my possession is simply for me and my family. Greed is the belief that you can never have enough so you can't afford to be generous. But... When we meet Jesus, he starts to change our hearts. And one of the things that Jesus births in us is generosity. We move from living closed-handed, saying everything in my life is mine. My checkbook is mine. My calendar is mine. How I spend my time is mine. How I use my talents is mine. Instead, Jesus changes and transforms our heart. So we begin to live open-handed. And say, Jesus, this is yours. The very breath in my lungs is a gift from you. The ability to work and make money is a gift from you. The ability to start a business is a gift from you. The fact that I was born here in America, or that I was able to move here to America, is a gift from you. That all my time, my very talents, it's all a gift from you. And so God, I see my life as open-handed. That is one of the evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit, of being changed and transformed by Jesus. <coughs> it means we're not just looking for ways that we can take, but we're looking for ways that we can give. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. We're grateful for the generosity of God, and we're Generous towards others because we want to mirror, we want to image, we want to reflect, worship this God who's so generous to us. We want to be generous to those around us. We don't strive to be generous so that we can earn God's love. We don't earn his approval by saying, God, if I give a lot of my time, my talents, and my energy, of my love, then you're going to love me more. It's not like that. The foundation for our generosity is the gospel. The foundation for our generosity is the gospel. The good news that God so loved the world, he didn't just love you, he so loved you that he gave. He gave the most precious gift of all, his son, Jesus. That whoever would believe in him would receive eternal life. Life that doesn't start after we die, but life that starts here and now. We give because God gave. We want to be generous because God is a generous God, amen? We read it this way in Acts 4.31. They were all filled 
with the Holy Spirit. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they gave generously. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they gave generously, cause and effect. The Holy Spirit empowered them to be generous. In verse 33, we read that they had great power. When Luke uses that language of power, it's almost always in reference to the work of the Holy Spirit. See, here's the deal. You and I are not naturally inclined to be generous. It's not something that comes naturally to us. Generosity, is, therefore, is not natural. Generosity is supernatural. Generosity isn't something that's natural to us. It's supernatural. It needs to be birthed out of the Holy Spirit working in our life. God has to change us, connect us to Jesus, fill us with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit so that we can be generous like God is generous. See, the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to live lives marked by generosity. The Holy Spirit wants us to change and be more like Jesus, generous with our love, generous with sharing ourselves with others, with sharing our resources, our time, our talents. So if we know it's more blessed to give than to receive, and we know that one of the marks of being filled with the Holy Spirit is generosity, why aren't many of us more generous? I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, you write this down, we're struggling. We're struggling. Some of you have mountains of debt in your life. Maybe it's school debt. Maybe it's medical bills. Maybe you lost a job and to live, you had to put things on a credit card. Some of you have just mountains of debt. Some of you have just always lived paycheck to paycheck. Last fall, we did a series on finances and money. (coughs) Excuse me. And we learned that less is more, that stress is bad, that giving is good. And we said, to live the way that God wants us to live, we need to get out of debt. Some of us, we resist being generous uh, just because of where we are. And I want to encourage you, that's where you are today, that you have mountains of debt or, or you're just living paycheck to paycheck. And the thought of being generous with your time, your resources is just, you don't know where to start. I want to encourage you to Find a trusted mentor who is good with money and finances and budgeting. And if you need a name, you can email me and I can point you to some people in our church who are good about that. And you may need to take some drastic steps to sit down with someone, to look over your budget. You don't have a budget to get a budget. And to say, okay, how can I get out of debt? How can I pay some things off? How can I simplify? Thanks, man. So that... I can live with less stress in my life so that I can live a little bit more simply so that I can be more generous. Some of us, I think we resist being generous because we think that we need everything that we have just for our family. You know, you hear people say, I wanna give my kid every opportunity. Well, your kid might need fewer opportunities, okay? Have you ever met a kid who's been given every opportunity? Like, congratulations, you raised Veruca Salt from Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Remember that girl? Like, she's kind of a brat. Yeah, that's how kids turn out if they've been given every single opportunity and given everything. Like, it's okay. You may need to give your kids less opportunities so that they can understand that giving is good, that life is not all about them. 
If you're struggling, get some help. Get rid of clutter. Get rid of bad debt. And then even in the midst of paying off debt, you can be generous because giving is good. Number two, maybe you've seen this message abused. Maybe you've seen this message abused in other churches you've been a part of. There's a stream of Christianity, and they preach what's called the prosperity gospel. And basically that is, the more you serve Christ, the healthier, wealthier, and wiser you will be. The problem with that view is that then Jesus doesn't seem very Christ-like, all right? Because he was homeless, he died penniless, with no friends. God wants to bless you, but it doesn't mean that you're just going to get mountains of money and financial blessing. And so maybe you've been a part of a church that only preached that, that, that the more uh, God loves you, the more he's going to give you. And so you said, you know what? I'm tired of seeing those preachers on TV who are asking for a new Gulfstream jet or whatever it might be. And so you've just stopped being generous because you're like, you know what? I've seen this message abused. Number three, maybe we have a scarcity mindset instead of an abundant mindset. A scarcity mindset instead of an abundant mindset. <coughs> we think, well, if I give, then there's less for me, and that's, there's really not enough to go around. And if you have something, that means I don't have something, I don't have access to it. See, instead of living with a scarcity mindset, it's, it's understanding that God has all the resources of heaven, that he doesn't need our money, and we live with an abundant mindset saying, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We serve an abundant God who provides for the needs of his people, often through people. You might need to retrain your mind. It's believing it's more blessed to give than you receive. To know that when you give, you will be a blessing to others. And also, when you give, you will be blessed. That doesn't mean you give $100 expecting to get $1,000 back. You might, but it means you have the fulfillment, the joy, the sense of destiny that God has used you to make a difference in someone else's life. You will be a blessing and you will be blessed. Without any reservation, I say passionately that giving is good. If giving is good and we want to get better at it, we want to grow in generosity. What I want to do today is to share a couple truths from Scripture that will help us all grow in generosity. Number one. Trust God with the tithe. Trust God with the tithe. What is this word tithe? Maybe you haven't been a part of churches before and Mosaic's the first church you've been a part of and you're like, I've heard a couple people mention this word tithe. What is that? Well, the tithe comes from a Hebrew word, the word maser. It means one-tenth. It means that one-tenth of whatever we receive belongs to God. Leviticus 27 verse 30. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord's. In other words, if I get $100 and the first 10 belongs to God, it's not technically mine. And we return that to him as an act of worship. Now, for some of you, this sounds absolutely crazy. Malachi 3.10 says this, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. Malachi says, bring the whole tithe. That's 
10%, giving back to God. It's understanding that everything I have is a gift from God. And as a way to respond to God in thankfulness, that everything we have is his, we bring 10% back to him. Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This is a picture of the local church, your church right now that you're sitting in. That there may be food in my house. When you come in the gym and you sit down, what are you receiving here at Rice Lake every elementary every Sunday? My hope is some spiritual food. You're being nourished and strengthened in the things of God. Your kids back there are not just being babysat, but they're being nourished with spiritual food. They're being strengthened and taught the things of God. On Sunday nights, when your students go to youth group with Pastor Nate, they're being fed the spiritual food of God. You're learning how to follow Jesus and how to be filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I personally believe. That the tithe goes to your local church. Where you are primarily being fed, the storehouse, that's where you bring your first 10% back to God. Generosity is going above and beyond our tithe to support missionaries and parachurch organizations. I personally don't believe in splitting your tithe unless you're equally going to two different churches and you're equally being fed two different places. Your primary place where you are being fed spiritually, where you have community, where you are being encouraged and strengthened, that's where you bring your tithe to support that, to partner together, to say, what can God do together? Then generosity is going above and beyond that tithe to say, you know what? We're tithing our local church to support the church to what they're doing. But you know, there's some missionaries over here. There's an orphanage down here. There's some compassion children. We're, we're gonna be generous and give over and above our tithe to support them. Malachi says, bring the full tithe in the storehouse so there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, said the Lord of hosts. This is the only place in scripture where God says, put me to the test. God says, test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there's not gonna be enough to store it. Test me in this. This is the one place where God says, test me in this. Why do you think God has given us permission to test him in this? I think he knew this sounds crazy, God. I'm barely getting by. I have debt. I, I, I've given it $20 in the offering before, but to 10% of my, what I'm earning to you, that sounds nuts. And God knows that. And he says, okay, I know this sounds crazy, but test me in this. Test me and see if you aren't blessed. I want to challenge your thinking too that when we're talking about being generous, when we're talking about tithing, that the first 10% belongs to God, that it's not just your finances, your treasure, but it's also your time and your talents. Here's what, I did a little math this week and I figured out um, in the average week, seven days a week, we have 168 hours. Now let's just pretend we all get eight hours of sleep a night, which I know we don't. Um, but for the sake of that, that's about 112 hours we're spent awake in a week. Let's say on average 45 hours of working per week. I know some of us work a lot more than that, but that leaves roughly 67 hours in your week where you're not sleeping, you're not working. All right, hour a day to exercise, 
10 hours a day to meal prep, that leaves 50 hours in your week where you're not working, sleeping, meal prepping, exercising. It's just general ideas. I want to encourage you to think about tithing on those 50 hours that you are awake. That would mean saying, God, five hours of my week are yours, not mine. Five hours I'm giving to you. I want to encourage you every week for these next 12 weeks, take two hours out of that 168 hours in your week to be in a small group. And to say, you know what, God, even if I don't feel like I need to be in a small group because I'm strong and life is great and I've got no issues at all in my life, there might be someone else who needs me there because when they share that they're going through a tough time, I can say, hey, I've been there too. I understand what you're going through. And to say, you know what? I'm gonna take five hours and tie it back to you, God. They're not my hours. They're your hours. They're not my free time. It's your time. Two hours, I'm gonna give it to a small group so I can invest in others. I can pour into others. I'm gonna help disciple them. Three, hour, three hours a week serving others. I wanna encourage you, think about serving here on a regular basis. One of the things that we as a church have done is that we've tried to give people um, to say, hey, just serve once a month. And so to say, serve 30 minutes, three hours out of your whole month, which is 168 times four, I don't even know what that math is. But anyways, it's a very small percent. The reality is what would be much better is if we had some people say, you know what? I'm gonna tithe on my time each week. So you know what? I'm gonna give three hours every Sunday to serving God and the local church. And so you know what? Every single Sunday, I'm gonna show up here at 7.30. From 7.30 till 9.30, I'm setting up. I'm not gonna be on a rotation. It's just what I do with these other guys every week. Or every week, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know what? 30 minutes from 11.30 till noon, every single week, I'm just part of the teardown crew. This is how I give back to God as saying, God, my whole time that you've given me is, is all yours. I'm gonna give back to you a little bit. I'm gonna serve kids back there. Maybe it's every other week, three hours from nine to noon, investing in the lives of kids to say, you know what, God, you've given me so much. I'm not gonna look at my schedule and my time that it's all mine. Instead, I'm gonna tithe it back to you. I'm gonna say, God, you give me all these talents. I'm gonna use it for your glory, for your kingdom, I'm not gonna just use all my spare time and all my talent and my abilities to make money for myself or my family, but instead, I'm gonna use those gifts for your kingdom. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I wanna encourage you this week to think, how can you look holistically at your whole life, at your time, and your calendar, your talents, your abilities, your finances, and maybe change your thinking to say, God, it's all a gift from you. Everything that you have given me is from you. So God, as a response, I'm gonna give back to you the first 10%. I'm gonna worship God with my first and best and trust him to bless the rest. I'm gonna say, God, I'm gonna choose to give back to you first my time, my talent, my treasure, and then everything else I'm gonna trust you with. Because I truly believe that God can do more with 90% that's blessed than I can do with 100% that's on my own. The first 10% goes back to God. If 
I want to grow in generosity, we're going to trust God at the tithe. I'm going to give 10% of my treasure to God. I'm going to give 10% of my time to God, 10% of my talents to God. Number two, we need to plan your generosity. To plan your generosity. Have you ever wanted something really badly? I remember, like I said, the first time I bought my, my first flat screen TV, I saved up my money. I had some guitar students I was teaching on the side, saved up a lot of guitar money. <coughs> and did the research and figure out what exactly did I want to do, and, you know, and then, then I bought it. What if we said, we're not just going to plan how we can get more, but how we can give more? If we're going to spend some time saying, God, how can we rearrange our family's schedule so that we can spend more time not just on us, but on others? God, how can we make a plan so that we can financially be more and more generous and giving away more and more? How can we rearrange our lives since it's more blessed to give than to receive so we can be a blessing to more people? God, how can I rearrange my schedule so that I can pour into others' lives by being a part of a small group, by serving on a regular basis, by meeting with a friend for coffee over these next 12 weeks as we open the Bible, as I disciple them, to say my schedule is not my own, it is yours, God. But it's not going to happen by accident. We won't live generous lives, generous with our love, with our time, with our finances, just by accident. We have to plan it. In fact, Isaiah 32 verse 8 says that's exactly what generous people do. But generous people plan to do what is generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. We're going to have to make a plan. Because otherwise, if you and I don't make a plan to carve out times on how we're going to be generous with our time by opening our homes to others, to spend time investing in others, discipling them, then our calendar is just going to fill up. If we don't have a plan on how we're going to give back to God financially, we'll just spend everything that comes in. What do generous people do? They plan. It's not accidental or incidental. It's intentional. We have to plan to be generous. You and I have to make a plan to be generous. Do you have a plan on how are you going to support your local church? Is it, oh, you just, on some Sundays, what did I, did I bring my checkbook? No, I forgot it. What do I have my wallet? Or saying, you know, I'm going to sign up for monthly ongoing giving. And maybe you're at a place where you've been supporting your church for a long time, but you want to be more generous than that. And you say, you know what? I'm going to look at Compassion International. How can we as a family sponsor some kids? Maybe there's some missionaries and you want to give over and above the 10%. You say, man, God, it's not going to happen by accident, but we need to be intentional and plan our giving. Do you have a plan on how you're going to use your schedule? Or have sports and activities and hobbies just taking it up and you're just running around with no margin in your life? And even if God wanted to use you to be a blessing to others, you couldn't. He couldn't use you because your schedule's so full. You have a plan on how you're going to carve out time so that our lives are not just close-fisted, that it's all about us, but it's open-handed. Do you have a plan? How do we grow in generosity? It starts by trusting God at the tithe. We return our first and best and trust God to bless the rest. Then we plan to be generous with our time, our talent, our treasures. And number three, start by being generous now. We're going to start by being generous right now, today. We're not going to wait till we're out of debt to be a blessing. We're not going to wait 
for other things to happen. We're gonna be a blessing along the way and watch as God uses us to bless others. And we're blessed as well. We're gonna start right now. Philemon 1.6 says this, and I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. The only reasonable response to the God who gave his son for us is to give our lives back to him. To understand that God owns everything. He wants us to be a blessing and so we give back to him. As a church, we will lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. We ask you to give generously. Do you know why? So that when we plan an event like Whirly Ball, so that, which is awesome, yeah, so that we can say, hey, ladies, you're doing a Whirly Ball event? You know, we don't have to charge anything because we never want it to be where only those of means can do the fun things and those who are just struggling financially can't afford it and said, hey, no way. Here's what's the beautiful thing. People in our church give generously. And so, you know, we're not gonna charge anyone so we can all experience community together. How many, I haven't heard a lot about it this summer, but so hopefully I get a good response. But how many of you have been blessed by those Psalms journals that we did this summer? Anyone else? Yeah, yeah, I've loved them. We had a number of people in our church give their time, give their talents to say, you know, I'm gonna write some devotionals, thoughts. And then instead of charging five or 10 bucks for those devotionals, we said, hey, they're free. Because someone sitting in your row, $5 for a devotional might be too much. And they can't afford that. Instead, we say, let's all of us give generously what we are able to do so that everyone has access to those things. We want to bless our students Sunday nights with food, with activities, with our teenagers. The kids back there, when they have prizes and stuff, that that we are supporting the children's ministry. We want to be a church that leads the way with irrational generosity because we know it's better to give than to receive. This summer, I, I had the immense pleasure of blessing some of the people in our congregation. Single mom, man, my van broke down. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I was able to drive to that repair shop and write that check from you, all of you, and pay for those repairs. Another single mom in our community, man, lost my job. We're going through a really tough time. Some nastiness at work and I just, I, it was just bad. I don't know how I'm going to pay rent this, this month. I drive. Go into that apartment office. Write a check. Hey, we're covering the difference. You know why? Because our congregation leads the way with irrational generosity. And when you give, it allows us to be generous, to take care of those in our community who aren't able to take care of themselves. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. How do we be generous? We trust God at the tithe. Say, God, you know what? Everything is mine. I'm going to give the first 10% back to you. We believe that he's going to bless the rest. We plan to be generous. Generous people stand firm in their generosity. 
We seek God and how we can be even more generous. And we start now. Here's what I believe is that generosity means changing the way we live. It might mean for you, where you are in life, 10% giving is nothing. You have more than enough time, more than enough disposable income to do whatever you want. I believe the heart of generosity says, I'm going to give until I feel it. I'm going to give my time, my talent, my treasure, so that, you know what, maybe I, I got to wait a little longer for that vacation. I got to wait a little longer to buy those clothes. I, I have to plan a little bit more because I want to I wanna give so much. I want to be used by God so much that I'm intentional about it. So we serve a God who gave everything for us. So we don't want to live lives just filled with comfort and ease. Because who wants to watch that movie? No one is going to go to the AMC and watch a movie about someone who gets a new Volvo and buys a new pair of jeans and life is great. But a compelling story is one where we're living for something greater than ourselves. That we have irrational generosity that it doesn't make sense. I want to talk to the parents in this room. That as your kids get older, you need to give them a compelling story to live. Because if they see that their family only exists to take great vacations and be in the best sports, and that's it, when they hit those teenage years and college years, they're going to walk away. Because that's not a compelling story. But if you say, as a family, we are intentional about our time, about our budget, and we give. As a family, you know what? Next year, we're not going to take that vacation. Instead, we're going to join some other people and go on a mission trip to Honduras. And we're going to do some work. And at first, your kids might be like, what? We're not going to Disney World this year? We're going to go on a missions trip? They're going to see that your family exists for something greater than themselves. We need to give our kids a better story to live. And by being generous, it's a way to make, help them see that there's more. And see, when you and I give, we'll be a blessing to others who have less, who, who need our time, our energy, our finances. And also when you give, you will be blessed. You will be encouraged. That when we give, it breaks the chains of greed on our heart. This idea that everything we have is ours and instead we live open-handed. We're more generous with our lives. Why do we want to be generous? With our time, our talents, our treasure. Because I truly believe the local church is the hope of the world. Because the church carries the message that revolutionizes lives. And the church is the presence of Jesus here on the planet. You will miss money that you misspend. You will miss money that you gambled away. You'll miss money that you lose. You'll miss money that you wasted. But you'll never miss money that you gave to your local church that's in sync with the will of God on the planet. 
Because it's a gift that goes to generation, to generation, to generation. Can you imagine if every follower of Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to give generously to God financially with my time, with my talents. Our city would look different. Your church would look different. The families in our community would look different. When you pre-decide something happens in your heart, you'll give more, you'll save more, you'll watch more closely where you're spending money. As Christians, we want to be more known as a generous people, not simply what we are against. For too long, Christians have simply been known as we are anti-this, anti-that, anti-that. Instead, if we look at the book of Acts, people were in awe of their generosity In the same way, we want to be so generous. People are like, that is amazing. This is more potential to change the world than anything else. Why? Because extraordinary generosity is extraordinarily powerful. In the early church, it said no one had any need. People gave as they were able to. Lives were being changed. The apostles were able to preach, to do the work of God. Because extraordinary generosity is extraordinarily powerful. Be generous. See what God can do through you. Be generous with your time. Serve our toddlers. Watch them as they begin to know Christ. Be generous with your time. Serve with Pastor Nate on Sunday night with our teenagers. Help them cross that line of faith to know Jesus. To get stronger as they go through those middle school and high school years. So that when they go off to college, they go with purpose, knowing that Jesus loves them, that he has a plan for their life. When you give, it impacts someone's life. People will give thanks to God because you gave your resources, you gave your time, you gave your talents. When you give, you will be a blessing. And when you give, you will be blessed. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? God, I thank you that you gave so generously to us. God, you've given us life. You've given us breath. You've given us your son, Jesus. You've given us the ability to work, to make money, to dream up new and better opportunities. You've given us so many talents and abilities. God, you've given us so many resources. The fact that we were born here in this country or that we're able to move here to this country it is such a blessing. So God, I pray for my heart, for the hearts of everyone in this room, God, that we would live open-handed. We would say, God, it's all yours. God, that we would respond by being generous. God, that we would, each and every one of us, seek you and say, God, how do you want me to be generous? Is it by changing the way I spend, by the way I spend my time? God, I just pray that each and every one of us would just be more and more generous. That love, grace, would just spill out over us to all those around us. God, I pray for those who are struggling with debt and and living paycheck to paycheck, God, that you'd bless them to pay off the debt. 
to get rid of things in their life that are causing stress and worry. God, that we would know it's more blessed to give than to receive. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing us so, so much. In your name we pray. Amen.